Um, good morning. My name is James. If you're here for the first time, I'm one of the pastors here, and it's a, 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 such a blessing to have you with us. We're heading into a, a new series this morning, and uh, take us over the number, next several weeks talking about prayer, and not just prayer in general, but specifically of, of practicing prayer. We've been talking a ton about living and loving like Jesus. And, and that is a wonderful thing that, that God has called us to do, obviously, to love God and to love one another. But so often we can really do that from a place of, it's easy to take that just from a place of, of self-effort, of just striving harder or trying to do more within our own strength and our own effort. When, when we, we're living and loving like Jesus, the core of it must come out of a life with him. You know, oftentimes I'm meeting with young couples or even older couples and talking through communication issues and so much of the struggles that married couples find and even unmarried couples is in communication. And so often when they're struggling and they're a place of dryness or weariness or pain, sitting so often we sit down and we talk about just basic communication. How do I get back to having an actual conversation of listening and talking well to my spouse? And the reality is in many ways it's the same in our relationship with the Lord. So often we have in place of dryness or struggle or even struggling to engage with him and love like him in the world because there's a place of a lack of intimacy between us and the Father and the Son and the Spirit. And so we want to take some weeks and really looking at how do we engage deeper in our relationship with the Father, the Son, and the Spirit through prayer. And that's what this next series will be about. And so today, we're actually going to have three different people share, people that I, I deeply respect in regards to their own walk with the Lord, talking about prayer. And not just the idea of prayer, but I've asked each of them to share specifically ways in which they engage with God, a specific prayer practice that we can, just like if you were coming to my office and we were talking through a couple's counseling session of what do we need to do, and I'd be walking away with some practical tips. Here's what you need to do with your spouse. Have this kind of conversation. Here's how you need to listen or reflect or whatnot. Today I want us to give us a few different practical ways that we can walk away and say, here is something this week to, to walk in this way, to practice this way of engaging with the Lord, to actually step out. And many of us, we may have, some of us maybe not pray regularly, others we may pray all the time, but it's in the same way. And I want us to kind of grow in adding some tools into our tool belt of engaging with the Lord in prayer. Because one of the most foundational aspects of prayer to me comes out of the book of Philippians. And when Paul talks about prayer and he says this, he says, um, throw that up. It says, the Lord is near. Now, that's the, the most foundational part of that. The Lord is near. For prayer, this is what all comes out of that. God is near. He is near. He's right here. He's not some distant blimp we reach out to and try and pray to who is far away. He is right here with us wherever we're at. The Lord is near. Therefore, because he is near, do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And because God is near, he is right here with us. At all times, we dwell with him. We can then talk to him. We can communicate. We can grow in our relationship with him. So this morning, we're going to have three separate people. We're going to have starting off with, with Zeb is going to begin with us. Then Pam Mitchell is going to share. And then Scott Boer is going to share after that. And I look forward to what God wants to speak to us as he challenges us in stepping more into the practice of prayer and engaging with our Father, Son, and Spirit. Amen. All right, Zeb, thank you so much, man. Just pray as we get started. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for the joy that we have to gather together as a body. And I lift up Zeb and, and the others who are about to share, Father. We just pray, Lord, may we be able to hear from you this morning. Lord, may you, you challenge us and stretch each of us to be able to grow in our intimacy with you that we would not move and serve and love out of just a, a striving or an effort pulling up our own bootstraps, but may it be out of a deep intimacy. So grow us, stretch us. 
and our intimacy and our, our longing and our withness with you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Sweet. We'll see how I do with this mic. I kind of gesticulate a lot, so I might just start yelling at you guys like this. I'm Zeb. Um, I'm going to share my practice nested inside my story with prayer. Um, the story is a simple one. It's me discovering uh, a historical Christian practice, implementing it into my life, and then seeing some of the fruit of it. Um, but before I share my story, I want to give, because I, I think this is beneficial, a brief note on the cultural moment that we live in and also the mundanity of my story. It will take me like a minute to go through this. We live in this moment of uh, the Big Mac, the microwave, and TikTok. It's instantaneous, instant gratification, and all of us know this, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time laboring this point. But one of the areas we see this playing out is these small life hacks, these things that uh, vloggers, bloggers, or YouTubers tell us that are going to radically shift our life if you just do this one small thing right now. The problem is that is not the spiritual life at all. Uh, to be more precise, that is just not the life that Jesus is offering you. He's not offering you an app to toss onto your phone that you access every so often, but more so like a new operating system that is going to take you a lifetime to upload. Um, Jesus is just not a life hack away. Instead, and often, becoming more like Jesus isn't found in these instantaneous shifts, but in the long, laborious mundanity of life. And, and those of you that are older than me know that. It's in your everyday decisions. And I think actually a lot of us have already intuited this. We say things like, Christianity isn't a label describing what you do on Sunday mornings. It's a way of life. It doesn't describe the decision you made Sunday morning, 8.30, tired as could be. The title describes how you spend your money, how you treat your spouse, your children, your friends, your coworkers. The title describes that you are someone that has chosen to set their life apart from the rest of our social milieu and have chosen to be with Jesus and to become like Jesus. And that is radically different, especially in the Pacific Northwest. And my point with all this precursor, we need Jesus to meet us in the mundanity of our lives. So, my story. I grew up in a home that went to church. My parents professed Christ. I went to church because they forced me to. Prayer was not a robust part of my family. I remember my mother praying for me when I was young. I'd be in bed, I'd be nervous of the dark, and she would pray something like, Heavenly Father, uh, may your heavenly angels protect my son tonight. And I remember her praying that for me, especially when I was young, especially when I was scared of the dark. I remember my father praying far too long at meals. <laughs> and I remember not being compelled to pray. Nothing was compelling about prayer to me growing up. Besides begging God to get me out of poor decisions that I made. Even ones as simple as not studying for a test that I really should have and instead playing this video game called League of Legends that I spent way too much time on. Ultimately, the only thing that pulled me to prayer was thinking that I should do it. Because Christians pray. And I was just trying to be what I should be. I wasn't interested in church, Christians, or Jesus. And it's interesting to me at this point to assess my relationship with God, even though I had professed myself a Christian, the relationship between me and God was essentially non-existent. We, we talk so much um, in circles like ours about having a personal relationship with God, but as I reflect back, it seems that sometimes we can mistake the marriage ceremony, marriage ceremony for becoming a Christian as the marriage. 
beyond professing some beliefs and reading Bible, there really wasn't much going on in my personal relationship with God. Going on, I went to a Bible school on a whim. I wanted to avoid homework, and it was on the beach, so it sounded cool. Um, I actually started following Jesus there, but prayer still wasn't that compelling. I would only pray when I was begging God for like moral purification or freedom from these destructive patterns in my life. So that's the backdrop of my life of prayer. It was somewhere around the first or second year of my 20s that I thought to myself, you know, dang, America is this really opulent place. The air we breathe is soaked in materialism, consumerism, otherwise known as hedonism. And I know there was a bunch of Christian people, we call them monks, that were on the complete opposite side of the spectrum that tried to live a simple life, a life of prayer. I wonder what they think. So I was in Portland at the time. I went to this bookstore called Windows, picked up a handful of books on Christian monasticism, started reading through them. Around that time, I bumped into this two-hour interview being had with a pastor in New York called Peter Scazzaro. Some of you may have read a popular book that he wrote called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And it was through this literature and through this pastor that I was introduced to this historic stream within Christianity that has sometimes been called the contemplative stream. And essentially, it's just our Christian brothers and sisters that have been bent on talking to God. Talking and listening, speaking and silence. I saw their love for prayer. I saw their love for the Psalms. Their desire to reorient their lives entirely around talking to God. The desire to constantly and continuously be operating out of a place of partnership with God. And in particular, there's this one very simple, mundane, non-life life hack thing that stood out to me. And it was something I saw in the monastic literature. It was something I saw Peter Cicero talking about. Fixed hours of prayer. You see Old Testament followers of God having fixed hours of prayer. Daniel while in a land completely opposed to God, had three fixed times that he would pause what he was doing to meet with God. You see New Testament followers still having fixed hours of prayer. You see in Acts, the apostles still going to temple for fixed hours of prayer to meet with God. You see our monastic, really early Christian brothers and sisters creating communities bent on talking with God and then maintaining fixed hours of prayer all throughout their days to meet with God. You see followers of Jesus today putting fixed hours of prayer into their own lives. Time for them to meet with God throughout their mundane, everyday living. So this is something I started in my own life. I decided to try it out. I set alarms on my watch uh, throughout the day to pause my work, to pray, and at least for me, primarily to remind myself of the world that I'm living in, which is a world with a good God that wants to bring goodness into it and has consistently partnered with people just like me to do that very thing. People just like you. And it, it, it's funny, because one of the ways that the Old Testament diagnoses the human problem is our forgetfulness. Particularly our forgetfulness of God and the things that he has done. And the interesting part is it's not this malicious forgetfulness, like, oh, I'm just going to forget about that intentionally, I hate this person, whatever. It just happens. We just forget. So pausing to remember the world that I live in and the type of God that is over me has in part been my warning against my forgetfulness. And I talk to God a lot more now. I sit in silence a lot more now. 
I am the most compelled to pray in my life than I've ever been. And I, I still have areas of unbelief, if you will, within me. Sometimes I skip the pause, but that's completely okay because the point isn't me becoming more pious. Uh, the point is actually for me to become closer to God and in turn more loving to those people that I call neighbor. Um, coming to the close, frankly, I, I think the story that I just shared is actually quite boring. But I also think that we kind of need more boring stories. Uh, most of life is mundane, everyday living. And it is the place where we spend most of our time. It is the place where the majority of our relationships are. And it is exactly the place that Jesus needs to change us. And so for me, having fixed times to meet God has made me much more aware of him in those mundane spaces. And not only that, but my conception of prayer has changed. It's probably obvious to most of you. But me praying isn't contingent upon me begging God for things. In fact, if that was the only way I talked to God, it's not much of a relationship at all. If I only went to my wife when I wanted things from her or for her to do stuff, would that be much of a relationship? No, not at all. I now see prayer as talking to God, whether it be actually talking or just setting myself in silence before God. And now I see that space, meeting in God in the mundane space, as the soil where a relationship with God can grow grow in maturity, grow in quality. I think that's a really helpful word. And grow in desire. So I want to invite all of you guys into this practice with me. If this is something that sparks something within you, just to set a few times at regular intervals throughout your day where some sort of alarm goes off. Monks literally have like a bell that would ring and they all gather in the hall and they read through psalms with each other and have this moment of worship. But for you to pause Maybe go on a brief five-minute walk. Maybe just take a 30 seconds to acknowledge, God, you are alive. And I am here with you on this earth, trying to work with you, trying to partner with you. What would you have me do? Uh, I'll leave you with a few words from Luke's recording of Jesus' life. Luke 18. Now Jesus was telling them a story to show that at all times they ought to pray and to not lose heart. Thank you. Pam, can I invite you up here? Good morning. morning. So my prayer journey began back when I was a little girl. I attended a Lutheran church And although I do not recall learning about the significance of prayer, I remember acknowledging that God was there and that he would want me to talk to him. Somehow I knew he was trustworthy and was capable of answering my prayers. I don't know why or where I knew I could trust God, but instinctively I just knew. I have never doubted the existence of God or the fact that I could trust him. Steve says, I'm like Cornelius in the book of Acts. I have never doubted the existence of God or that he was trustworthy. God has proven to be true to his word and has shown me over and over how faithful he is in answering my prayers. In the Bible, I consistently read how God answers prayers when we intentionally come to him with our request and pleas. I can recall countless times when I have turned to God for wisdom and direction, and he has answered my prayers.
As my faith grew and my time in the Word became a daily thing, I began to see more of God's desire for a relationship with us and his desire for us to come to him in prayer for anything at any time. I have realized how big his love was for us and how much he wanted to bestow his goodness on us. And one of the many verses that confirm this to me is 1 John 5, 14 through 15. And this is the confidence that we have towards him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he will hear us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. I was in my 20s when I first started praying in front of others, and it was the first time that I realized that there might be a more formal way to pray. I was intimidated by the big words and spiritual expressions used by others and got caught up in a trap that I needed to pray with big, impressive words and eloquent phrases. This had me ponder if I was praying correctly, and I was self-conscious of needing to pray a certain way. I was intimidated, intimidated to pray in front of others because my prayers were just too simple and basic. I eventually got over that and realized how silly that was because if you think about the prayers that Jesus or the disciples prayed, they were not fancy with big spiritual words or expressions. They were simple and to-the-point prayers. I remember learning that prayer is about the heart, not the words. It's a relationship, not a formula, and that we need to pray according to God's will. We are praying to the audience of one, not to the people around us. How amazing is that? I can go to God with any request and that he will always answer it. The answer may not look like what I thought or what I wanted it to be, but he would always answer it, either with a yes a no or a wait. Because I knew enough about his character, a God of compassion and trustworthiness, I was fine with any of those answers because I knew he only wanted what was best for me. God has a different perspective than us because he sees all things and always has our best interest in mind. God can do anything, so why would I doubt him? I want to share three examples that came to mind while I was preparing for today that reflects my experience with a yes, a no, and a wait. A yes. As I mentioned earlier, I attended a Lutheran church while I was growing up, but in my early 20s realized I wanted to learn more about God and grow in my faith. So one day I prayed to God and I asked him for his leading on where I could go and learn more about him. To my amazement, the very next day I got a call from my cousin saying she had met a choir director at a church called North Shore, and she invited us to come sing there. I was astonished that God would answer my prayer with a yes, and so quickly. Another yes experience was Steve and I had been feeling that God was preparing us for a change at North Shore, so we were praying to God to show us what was next in our ministry. One day, after a few months of praying, Steve and I were having a conversation about Northview, when all of a sudden I felt God say, that is where you're going next in your ministry. It surprised both of us that I said that, but from that point on, I never doubted that that was God's answer to our prayer. So one of the no examples I have, which there are many, was um, when I started dating, I had asked God to pick uh, my future husband for me. So whenever I would want to date, I always heard a no <laughs> the very first time. And um, I heard that no until I met Steve. Amen. 
Um, an example of wait, I was single till I was 32. I had prayed for years for God to provide a husband for me. I just never thought that I would have to wait so long. I prayed and God kept saying, wait, not yet. It was well worth that wait. God was working all those years and had provided the perfect person for me to marry. I am so glad I trusted God and that I waited for his perfect timing. It also reinforced the fact that we need to be persistent in our prayer request and not give up praying for something or someone just because God hasn't answered our prayer in the time frame that we have set. I would also like to share a few different um, situations where I pray intentionally. One is when Steve and I got married, we wanted to make God the center of our relationship and make prayer a major part of our life. How this looks is we agreed that we would always pray every night before we went to sleep. We also agreed that we would pray before any major decisions in our marriage. And we also agreed that we would pray to God for his perspective when we would have a disagreement that we couldn't solve quickly. Another thing that Steve and I wanted to do once we started a family was to be part of a prayer group where we would come together and pray for our marriage, our children, and other concerns that impacted our lives and others around us. We purposely pursued this when we came to Northview and have been a part of this group for 15 years. We had seen a great example of this lived out by a group of faithful families at North Shore before we got married, and now after 15 years of praying with a wonderful group of friends, we are reaping the fruits of our prayers. I can say that this is one of the best decisions that we ever made. Another one is a few years back when I started homeschooling Matt. My friend Krista Bon and I started walking while our kids were in classes. And we would spend the first half of our walk talking about our concerns. And then we would spend the second half of our walk just praying to God about those concerns. Those were some amazing times watching God work and the power of prayer. I am choosing to make prayer a central part of my life. In addition to the ones that I have shared, I also pray for some very simple, basic things, everyday living, um, that I, um, so for example, like I pray consistently before meals because I want to show my gratefulness. Or as things come up during the day, I'll pray about them or people as they come to mind. And uh, I also pray on my way to work when I set my priorities to put God first and then ask to be a blessing to my coworkers and students. And I also pray many times when I'm on a walk by myself, which if you know me well, I walk all the time. <laughs> I believe that God is not concerned about the length of my prayers, but the heart of my prayers, and that I totally trust and believe he will answer them in his good and perfect timing. I strongly believe that we should be praying for the little things as much as the big things. God loves to give good gifts to his children and cares about our needs, our concerns, and our desires. Just as we need to be faithful in the little things, we can be faithful in the big things. I believe we should be praying for those little things and big things because he cares about both and simply wants us to lift these things up to him in prayer. Some may say, well, if God knows all and already knows what I'm going to say, why should I pray? Well, I believe it's because he wants to hear from us, have us acknowledge our needs before him, and be engaged in conversation with him. I also believe the more we engage in prayer, the more intimate and familiar we become of who God is, his character, and we know his voice. We need to talk to him every day so we can recognize his voice when he speaks to us. 
I hear people say they don't want to hear from God, but they, or they, they don't hear from God, but they want that experience. Well, it starts with praying to him every day and then listening to what he has to say or looking for how he is answering our prayers. I heard it once said this way, it's hard to recognize someone's voice if you don't talk to them on a regular basis. If we're not interacting with God on a daily basis, then how are we going to recognize when he does talk to us? Jesus does say in John 10, 27, my sheep know my voice and I know them. They follow me. In closing, I love knowing I have full access to God all the time and I make it a priority to keep the center, to keep prayer the center of my life. I depend on God's leading and his words of wisdom every day and cannot imagine living life without them. I know I need to be intentional. I need to be aligning my heart to his and I need to be listening for his voice. He is never too busy for me and I'm confident he will always answer my prayers. It just may not look like how I thought he would answer them. Okay. (laughs) I'm going to hand this over to Scott now. Good morning, Northview. I want to begin by telling you how much I appreciate this church. We've been contending for about a year, and I've never been at a church that felt more like a family. We were welcomed with open arms and with open hearts. People are genuine here. They're very honest and open, and they shared their struggles with us so we could share our struggles with them. And I'll tell you, one of my struggles is prayer. Uh, In my early church experience, I internalized prayer uh, as a duty or an obligation. While it may not have been explicitly taught that way, the truth that God is all-powerful and all-knowing seemed to suggest that I didn't really need to pray. Life, uh, he was going to do what he was going to do whether I prayed or not. Uh, I never did the whole quiet time thing well. My experience of prayer has been very inconsistent and I so easily fall out of the habit. It seemed to be something that we were supposed to do like Zeb mentioned. And if I'm being honest, and I think I am, the best way to get me to not do something is to tell me I have to do it. Anyone else? (laughs) Amen? Yeah? All right. So after decades of thinking this way, it was a surprise to me when I started to see the importance of prayer with new eyes. Over the last decade or so, I've been renovating my understanding of my relationship with God, and prayer especially, over the last few years. As I survey the scriptures, I see over and over God's desire to be in close community with his people. The garden, the tabernacle, the temple, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, all are testimonies of how much God wants to be close to his people. One of the practices that we can engage in to help us draw close, which has been, had an impact on my life, is silence also called contemplation. Through this, we prepare our hearts and quiet our minds and humbly seek the presence of our Lord. Whatever else is going on, silence is a practice that you can integrate into any other time of prayer or reading. 
it's, it's noted several times in the Gospels that Jesus often went to lonely places to pray. It's significant that he, off, he most often went alone early in the morning and would remove to isolated places, places of quiet and solitude. For Jesus and for us, silence is about separating ourselves from the noise and hurry of life to better hear and experience what God has for us. Silence quiets our thoughts and allows us to be fully in the presence of God, allowing him to speak to us through meditation on his word and directly to our hearts through the Spirit's leading as our promised counselor. Silence also is a path to learning patience. Uh, There's an old warning about praying for patience and fearing that God might bring disaster into your life to teach it. In silence, we learn to wait upon the Lord and his timing. Many times, silence yields only invisible results. You'll go for long periods without uh, something obvious happening, feeling like nothing is happening. What you're learning is is first the discipline of showing up and being present. This will not only help you when it comes to hearing from the Holy Spirit, it also helps you to be present in the other relationships in your life. Your practice of any discipline is going to be personalized. It's as individual as you are, and it takes experimentation and patience to discover what works for you. So I'll share what works for me, and then you can modify it as you need. How long you remain in silence will change over time and and with your circumstances. Start slow. Set a timer for a couple of minutes for the first several times. If you're adding scripture, or if you're adding this to a scripture or devotional reading or your normal prayer practice, it helps to have your reading materials set out and open ahead of time so you're minimizing distraction. My practice has been to incorporate silence both before and after my prayer and reading time. I do it beforehand to help clear my mind, to silence those thoughts, and to minimize distractions while I'm in the in my reading. Afterward, it allows me to reflect on what I've read and to allow God to speak to my heart from what I've read or or from some other uh, thing he might have for me. So to begin with, we want to get in a comfortable seated position. I sit with my feet flat on the floor, my hands open. I can't do it now, but like this on my knees so that uh, I'm in a posture of receiving and a posture of um, contemplation. Close your eyes, take a couple of deep breaths to relax your muscles and as a signal to your mind that it's time to quiet down. We sometimes minimize the mind-body connection and this is a way that we can bring our minds to ease by bringing our bodies to ease. Prayer is not about, this is not about emptying yourself. It is about being fully present and attentive to God. In a simple way, in the simple way that you would want to be fully present with any important relationship in your life. You're going to get distracted. You're going to think of a phone call you need to make. You're going to think of some errand you need to run. You're going to think of something else uh, that needs doing. In this culture, we're not used to silence. We have made distraction an art form. So it's going to take some time to get comfortable until you acclimate to regular periods of silence. It will help to have a word or a phrase that helps you refocus. Something that, just to help you draw back to the reason that you're there, 
I find the titles for God or Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus have mercy on me, to be very effective for refocusing my mind. When your thoughts settle on your relationship with God or an aspect of his character, you're in the right space to meditate on that for a while. As you get more comfortable, extend your time remaining in silence. If you can, incorporate it into your, into your routine two or three times a day. Uh, regular practice will have an effect on how you engage with and perceive events going on around you in your life. So in the remaining time we have, uh, I would invite you to experience this here and now. I'll read a brief passage before, before we go in, just to give you uh, some time or something to reflect on. So if you'll join me, get comfortable in your seats, shake off your distractions, sit with your hands in a, in a position of receiving, with your arms extended out on your legs, hands open. Close your eyes. Let me read the passage and then take a couple of deep breaths and reflect on, on the passage. This comes from Leviticus 26, 11 through 13. In this passage, God has been explaining to the Israelites the blessings that are coming in the covenant through their obedience, the bounty, the abundance he wants to bring to them and he saves the best for last. He says, I will make my dwelling among you, and my soul will not reject you. I will also walk among you and be your God, and you shall be my people. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, so that you would no longer be slaves to the Egyptians. I, bark I broke the bars of your yoke and enabled you to walk with heads held high.
Lord, I thank you for your desire to be among us, to dwell with us, to walk with us, to lead us and guide us, to be present in our lives at every turn. I pray that you would put in us the desire to be with you, to remind us to take time to be with you and build this relationship. In, Lord, in your name I pray, amen. Jesus, what a gift it is to be your children, to have such an incredibly loving Father, to know you as Lord and Savior and Holy Spirit, have you right here with us. It's so easy for us to get caught up in the day of kids, family, work, stresses of life, and we miss you in the midst of it. Like a married couple that just misses each other and live as roommates in the same house. So often we can know that we love you, know that you love us, and just miss out on pursuing you. So Jesus, I pray, Lord, this week, may you rejuvenate our hearts. May you draw us deeper in, Holy Spirit. May you impress upon us, Lord, even today with some of the real practical examples of this, Lord to step towards you, to make it a priority, to engage with you, Father. Whether it be through fixed hours of prayer and literally setting an alarm to remember to engage with you throughout the day. Whether it be through prayer as a persistence and continuing in practices and recognizing that It's not some fancy special thing, but it's the every day growing in the communication, engaging with you or practicing silence, Lord. Father, may you impress upon us the beauty of time with you. Lord, we get to spend time with the king of the universe, the creator who spoke this world into existence, Lord Jesus. Thank you that you want to spend time with us, Father. You created us to enjoy fellowship with you. Everything you've created is to point us towards you, that we can enjoy you, Lord. Oh, Father, lift our eyes up to you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. What a joy it is to know the Lord, to be his children. This week may be something that we continue just to press into and ask the Lord what he would have you. And if it's continuing what you're doing, awesome. If you found your times of prayer to be rote or boring or dry in some way, I encourage you to press in. A number of examples were given today what that looks like. We'll have them up on the sermon resources later this afternoon of, of, of some of those practices of engaging with that. But may we press in to spending time with them. May we press in, even stretching beyond our comfort zones. I know over the years, uh, one of my greatest things that's drawn me in my relationship with the Lord was stretching myself in areas of prayer that I've not practiced before. That was one of the greatest things. I had a master's degree in spiritual formation a number of years ago, and one of the greatest, most beautiful things was almost every week it was a different practice that we got to engage. And I got to try 50, 60 different ways of prayer engaging in that, just identifying and almost like working out, trying different muscles, engaging. What are those ways that actually breathe life as I engage with God in different ways? And so I encourage you, as we continue in the series, to, to stretch yourself and trying out different ways of engaging with God. You may be surprised at some of the ways that resonate that you may have never thought would have resonated with your heart in ways that allow you to connect with Him in ways you haven't before. But we grow in, in, in pursuing our Lord Jesus, our Father, and the Holy Spirit. Amen?
Amen. Thank you so much for coming today. Um, if you're pleased, if, you, if you're interested in the one-to-one training, come back at 1230 and hang out as we talk more about what it looks like to be a, a presence and to be able to minister well to one another as we serve in the body those who are hurting. Otherwise, we'll see you guys again next week. Blessings.